Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of our Tuesday's Timely Torah Talks, Chazak's Amazing Tuesday program. Tonight we have a very special guest, a very dear friend of ours, all the way from the Holy Land, from Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Menachem Nisol Shlita. Welcome, Rabbi. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Yaniv. It's so exciting to be here and to actually see you, at least using this incredible medium called Zoom. I, I really have to say that I sit here in my little rabbi cave here in Yerushalayim or HaKadosh. And every time I see the word Chazak come up in my WhatsApps, come on my email, it's a big smile. You have the Zechot, I don't know how you do it, literally across the world, impacted so many people. All I can say to you from Yerushalayim or HaKadosh, Hashem should give Ashrechem, 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 Hashem should give you all the strength, all the koach to go on and continue doing exactly what you're doing, but just like 10 times more. Keep up the impact. Thank you so um, much. Amazing. Wow, Rabbi. Okay, we'll end the show right over there. Yeah. <laughs> wow, thanks for the chizuk. Thank you for the inspiration, Rabbi. Tonight we're going to be discussing uh, the, your, your Sefer, your amazing book. Uh, you're the author of Rikshay, Lave, Woman, and Fila. Oh, you have it right over there. I actually remember when the rabbi was in New York speaking for Chazak, you gave me a copy, and I believe I gave it to my wife. So I appreciate it, and it's amazing. So we're going to jump straight into it with your permission, Rabbi. We're ready. Absolutely. Okay, great, amazing. So can you please describe the impact and the importance of your Sefer, the amazing Sefer, the amazing book, Rick Shalev? So first of all, thank you for asking that great question. I actually started teaching tefillah when I was in my late 20s. I was teaching in a seminary. And I had a vision that the purpose of teaching tefillah will be one thing and one thing only. Basically, what I wanted to do was create some kind of a service where I would introduce the students to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I felt, and I still feel very strongly, that people feel that they live in a godless world. They don't see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in their lives. And just getting familiar with Yesidur and knowing not just what to daven, but how to talk to Hashem, I felt that, that, oh my gosh, okay, why are people spending so much money on therapy? Tefillah is cheaper than therapy, and it's much more effective. So uh, this is what I wanted to do. This was my great mission in life, is to introduce Hashem to all the beautiful neshamot that are out there. What happened was, is because my audience was, was ladies, I was teaching Gemara to the boys and Tefillah to the girls. They were sending me questions in the halacha, and I had no idea. They will ask me questions I never thought about. What happens if I go to the synagogue and I come late? What should I do? Should I jump in where they're again? Should I catch up? What happens if a different nusach? I had no idea. So I went with all my questions to Kvodarav Scheinberg. Scheinberg. I wrote them down. And after about two or three years, I had this teeny little booklet. It never occurred to me that this should be a sefer, this should be a book. But what happened was, is that after a while, it got bigger and bigger. I said, no, this has to be done properly. And I realized that in our generation, there is a bikush from the ladies to know exactly what to do. So many of them do not come from homes that uh, were the mother that gave them the masara. These are balei tshuva, and they did not know what to do. And that's how the book actually developed. Thank God, Hashem gave me a lot of siyata deshmaya. And uh, the book was a bestseller, and it was terrifically matzliach until this very day. Um, people think of me as the, you know, the Rick Shalev, is the man that sells this safer that helps one with prayer. Amazing, Rabbi. Wow, wow, wow. Rabbi, I know that your rabbi, your rabbis were Rabbi Ramosha Shapira and Rav Slomay Wobe of blessed memory. 
Is there one timely teaching of theirs that we should all take to the heart from these gedolim, especially for our times, Rabbi? So, so first of all, I, you know, really to say one timely teaching from Moshe Shapiro and Revolva, it's like, it's like uh, I don't mean to be rude. It's almost like ridiculous. <laughs> this man over here, he sits in front of my desk. Wow. This is actually, I, I'm actually, I took this picture. This is him giving the shiur on Friday. And uh, I was his driver for almost 20 years. And um, both him and Revolva, they permeate all my teachings and they permeate the teachings of their hundreds and hundreds of students. I would like to share with you, uh, in terms of tefillah, uh, the impact that they had on me that I tried to transfer to all my students is basically that every moment in life is another opportunity to turn into prayer. Whatever you're going through in life, life is this roller coaster. There is not a single moment in our lives where we don't feel anxiety or stress. And this is because Hashem wants to keep us close. This is how we develop this tremendous kesha, the connection between us and God. And it's interesting because my teachers were very opposite in their personality. Um, Revolver, you watched him pray. And um, he, he didn't see much emotion. He would be like, seriously, like a soldier in front of a king. But once he let it slip, he said, you know, the reason why I like to pray mincha, the afternoon services, always at lunchtime, he says, because I can't go so many hours without talking to God. I can't have a shacharit in the morning and then wait, oh my gosh, to like five o'clock in the afternoon to talk to him again. Okay. And my other teacher, Ramon Shapiro, I mean, it's just insane how he was a very, very emotional prayer. And um, you could hear him as he was talking to Hashem. He would daven for one hour, a Shwana Esrei, on a regular basis. Um, I just heard this just a couple of months ago. When he, I'm writing a book now about uh, Ramon Shapiro, and I'm writing 30 essays of the impact that he had on the world, together wow. with biographical sketches. And um, one of the things I just learned, when he found out that his cancer had come back, so he was in Israel, the moment that he found out, he told his driver, take me straight to Kever Rachel. And he always told us that Kever Rachel is the place, not the Kotel, the place is Kever Rachel. This is based on the writings of the Gaon Vilna, the, Gon, the Vilna Gaon, who says that the, if you want to cry to Hashem, there's no place than to go to the place of tears of Rachel Emain, exactly. He went there and he started to cry and he cried in prayer for five hours, for five hours, just to give you a little bit of of a glimpse. So I have the the image of my teachers in their own different styles of how they lived their lives, everything, everything they went through, they constantly turned that into opportunities for prayers. And that is something that we can all do. Every single moment in our lives, something is happening. Our lives are never boring. Admit it, okay? It's never boring. There's always something going on. Grab it and turn it into a closer connection to Hashem. Beautiful. Wow, so inspiring. So Rav Shapiro and Rav Wolbe, um, how do they impact this safe Rig Shalev that the rabbi wrote? Um, well, it's an interesting thing that uh, you, you won't see them mentioned during when you read the book, I, I almost never quote them, but really they permeate every single page because what they did for me was to give me a mindset to understand what 
the mission of the book was all about. I remember when I was single, uh, the first time I went and spoke to Revolbi, Rishon Revolbi, about Shiduchim. And I asked him a question, and now all those single men out there, listen closely, okay? This is for you guys. He asked me, what should be the number one thing to look for in, in a wife? So I expected him to say something, something like from, but you know, Revolver was against the word from, I didn't know what it was. He had some kind of an allergy to that word. He was more into like Erlichkeit than Frumkeit. And he said the following words. He said to me, he used the Hebrew word Hitrananut, which in, I guess in English is like joie de vivre, right? Love of life, Simchat Chaim. And he said that you should know that, that, that you, you know, you're going to have it easy because you're going to be, you're going to go to the kollel, you're going to study in yeshiva, but you go out to, you go out outside and, and the wife stays at home. And, and, and it's not easy for her. You have, uh, you know, what I call the magic hamper where you put your dirty clothing and no one in our, in our gender has any idea how it happens, but magically everything comes back folded and cleaned in our closet. How does that work? Well, guess what? It's not easy. Their job is very stressful with all the children and the food and everything they're doing. And they're not necessarily doing things that they enjoy. A woman that has hit Ranonot, she has a natural joy of life. So she can always turn this into something positive. She can always keep that smile on her face. And it's a tremendous blessing when a woman has this particular, this particular um, uh, tendency to be able to be, not to be anxious. I, I recently spoke to Ruben Leuchter, who I believe is the greatest student of Revolver that's teaching today. He's a lot of great students, but he's made the most impact. I asked him if Revolver was around today, what would he give, what message would he give to the ladies? And he said to me, I don't know, but I know what my wife would say. He said, women today need to hear two words. Those two words are good enough. What does good enough mean? Good enough means that, um, if the house is 90%, 80% clean for Shabbat, if, 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 if the kids, they don't have to match perfectly. You, you know, if, if everything is just good enough, you take off layers of stress from your life. Now, I don't mean good enough in your tefillah. I mean good enough in just in general, in the way that you have expectations from life. When I went to my teacher, Rav Moshe Shapiro, and I said to him, Kvodorov, what should be my, my, how should I write this book? What should be the goal of this book? And he was very, very clear. He said, Menachem, Tishma, listen to me, Menachem. The goal of your book should be to make life easier for women. That's what he said. Wow. And it's interesting because Rav Scheinberg, who is the posek for the book, had the total opposite view. Now, well, he was not anti-women at all. He had the most incredible marriage. He had, he, I mean, he loved, he loved everything that women did, but he felt that women should be treated like men in so much. Wherever they can, they should. So that was his, his whole approach was, you know, as much as they can, women should pray like the men pray. And my Rebbe Ramosha Shapira said, no, 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 no. If they, they need to relax, let them relax. It's so important for them to feel comfortable with the way they talk to Hashem. So that impacted a lot of how this book came out and how I teach things uh, right now when I teach 18 year old girls I tell them to go for less not not for more to start preparing for those days when their lives become more overwhelming that they should be able to learn how to speak with the quality 
and the power of saying less but from the heart than just to say lots and lots and lots of quantity. Powerful, Rabbi Nissa, amazing, amazing. You touched on this point, but in the book, you described the woman's obligation in tefillah and prayer. Can you please outline a few misconceptions in this area? I know there is a lot of misconceptions. Oh, it's a mitzvah, it's time bound. You know, maybe we don't have to do it. Maybe we should do it. And you mentioned Scheinberg, the role base. So you, you should know that the question you just asked really it flows seamlessly from my previous question. Yeah. If open up, it's really, you know, this is, this is, a, this is the, the guidebook, according to Steinberg, for women as well as men. You open up Simon Kuvav, and there he says, you know, women are obligated in a Shemona Esrei, the same as men. Shacharit, Mincha, by the way, not Arvit, okay, Arvit, unless you're a Sephardic and you follow the Kafachayim Adasof that says women should pray everything. They say you should be saying twice a day a Shemona Esrei comes along all my teachers and they tell me, tell the women, especially when they're married with kids, they got to know how to chill. Rav Moshe Sternbuch, he should be well and healthy. He lives down the road from me here in Harnoff. He told me when I started my book, he said to me, you know, when you, the title of your book, you see this word customs? He said, if you don't write the word customs, I'm not giving you a haskama. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because there's no such thing as halacha for women when it comes to prayer. It's all customs. It's all what they saw their mothers do. So, Sherm will tell me, I mean, you and I are going to laugh, but it really, our wives, we have to give them so much kavod when you think about this. Ramosh Sternberg told me that the Chazanish said that the reason why women who are busy raising their children are exempt from tefillah because they have the same halacha as when someone goes on a journey. Now, in those days, journeys is not just getting on a plane, on and off, and then you sit there comfortably. In those days, people used to travel for months. When they came home, they had three days where they were exempt from prayer, from the sheer, utter exhaustion from the, you know, they, they, you just can't think. It's too much. Wow. This is the chazanish. Guess what? Women are like that all the time. <laughs> It's a crazy. Women are constantly in that state of being, if they're juggling today, women are expected to work as well and raising their kids and they're involved in 101 different chesed operations. They're doing so much. So they have an exemption from tefillah. But of course, as we all know, that uh, more than ever before, that's when they need prayer, when they're raising their families, when their lives are busy. And we desperately need their prayers because their prayers are so powerful. Rabbi, so could you please maybe describe the differences in the obligations of men and women in prayer? So, so again, again, there's, there's, the, there's the halacha and then there's the customs. Custom. In, in halacha, a, a, you and I have to daven three times a day. Women should daven ideally twice a day. In practice, and already Rishon Zaman Arbach said once a day is, is sufficient. Um, it just in general, the custom of women once they get married and, they, and, they're, and they're very busy is they start cutting down. I actually give a course to ladies. This year I gave a course to women in Chicago how they should daven every day. And I said to them, all they have to do is the morning blessings and the Shema. Because these are women who are incredibly busy 
and they have to say what I call one, three, three, fifteen, one. Okay, one is Moda'ani, three, the next three is the three parts of Birkat Torah, the 15 morning blessings, and then they say the Shema. Ideally, the first paragraph, minimum the first six words. What does this mean? They start off their day and they say to Hashem, we will notice the little things in our lives that we tend to take for granted. That's Birkat Shacha. Thank you for my clothing. Thank you for my eyes. Thank you that I can sit straight. And Shema is their declaration of faith. If you want to hear more about it, I gave a class in Queens to Chazak called <laughs> Pledge of Allegiance. My class on the Shema, it's on Torah anytime. Okay, so the bottom line is, so women have to be incredibly flexible. Um, Shema is another example. Women are exempt from Shema. It's a positive time-bound mitzvah. Have you ever heard of a woman that doesn't say Shema? Of course they do. A woman wants to express what she believes in. A woman wants to give over her own, her own um, pledge of allegiance to Hashem. So uh, for the rest of the details, you're just going to have to buy the book. What can I tell you? <laughs> can I tell you? <laughs> Rabbi, could you maybe mention another special connection between woman and tefillah? I know you touched on it, but... Uh... Um, the... the, 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 the I, the, the most important woman in history is the most important governor of all time. Her name was Hannah. Hannah. Her prayers, the Talmud brings down, the Gemara and Brachot brings down. We learn more from her prayers than from any other person in history. Who was Hannah? Hannah was a woman. Her husband just didn't get it. It sounds like, you know, a New York boy from 2021. He just doesn't understand his wife. This poor girl, she goes to the Mishkan and there's Ellie who also did not understand her and she cries and pours her heart out and from those prayers, there's so many halachot that we learn. Uh, it's interesting, you know, I, <laughs> I know I'm constantly plugging my little book over here, but my, my Rebbe, Ramosh Shapiro, he gave me his haskama. I don't know if you could see it over here. There we go. This is haskama over here. And in it, he writes the following words. He says, why is it that women are so much better than men when it comes to prayer. I want everyone that's listening over here, think about your grandparents, your, your Saba and your Safta, right? Your, your, your Bubi and your, and, and your Zeta, your grandfather, your grandmother. How do you compare them? Your grandmother, those in the came, doesn't matter whether they came from, from Morocco or Aleppo, or whether they came from Bukharia, or whether they came from Lithuania, or whether they came from Hungary or Germany, it doesn't make any difference. The women had this power of tefillah. Says Ramos Shapiro in his, in, his, in, his, in his blessing, Haskama, to my book. He's very, very simple. Um, you will know that we're just like a few weeks away from the festival of Shavuot. What was Shavuot? Shavuot was a marriage. Shlomo Amela, King Solomon said, we became the bride. God was the chatan, was the, was, was the groom. And this was this incredible union that we had over there. The, the relationship between man and God is a female-male relationship. And again, even though and what I'm saying to you now is more like in theory, it's this way. But the theory is the woman, she runs the home and the woman waits for the man to come and give her whatever she needs, the food, the money, whatever is necessary to build that home. And we, so to speak, we run this world 
and Hashem has to give us the shefa, the rain and the crops and the paycheck at the end of the month so we can do what needs to be done. So when it comes to prayer, women are naturally daveners because prayer is essentially feminine. So, and obviously this is very deep on a Kabbalistic le- uh, level, what it means that women are prayer. Not, they don't daven, they don't pray, they are prayer, their essence is prayer because they look, so to speak, for Hashem to give them that shefa, like the Jewish people look at Hashem. And that's why they are so naturally good at what they do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I could add yeah. that, uh, and this leads me to my next question. Maybe it's because the obligation of men is shacharid, it's mincha, it's three times a day. While the obligation for women is like you're saying, it depends on the woman, but more or less one or two times. But this leads me to the question, how do we gain an appreciation and a new flavor for tefillah, for prayer, when we say the same exact words every single day? Do you have any suggestions, Rabbi? So... So first of all, your question is one of the best questions I ever get on tefillah. Um, um, I'm going to be a moment of honesty, and I think I speak for many of us. We all work hard on tefillah, but we all know how hard it is. I mean, oh my gosh, you see the 19 blessings of the Shemona Esrei? Let's be honest. Okay, how many little travels do we do from the beginning to the end? You know, like, go like that. Welcome, come back in, come back. It's so hard. It's really very, very hard for us say the same words in and out. Now, I could answer, which I do not want to do, I could answer and say, so get used to saying your own words. I always encourage, before you take your three steps back, stop, think, ask yourself, what's really bothering you? What's on your mind? Now say it to Hashem in whatever is your language you feel comfortable with before you take your three steps back. I, I want to share with you something I heard from Revolba, Rishon Revolba, it's a very powerful, powerful thing. He said, you know, Revolver was from Germany and he, whenever he spoke about nature, he always spoke about the Alps. He said, if you take a train through Switzerland, Rubyaniv, put this on your bucket list. Next time you come to Israel, you take a little stopover, you come to Zurich, you get on a train and the train takes you, goes, it's one of the most beautiful things to do in Europe. It takes you through the Alps. And as you are looking at Niflot Habara, you'll notice something interesting. You see this gorgeous mountain, this beautiful mountain with the snow and the green that goes up to the snow. And it's just like so fabulous. But the train is going round it. And as you go round, if you blink for a moment, you open your eye, you think you're looking at a different mountain, but you're not. It's the same har, the same mountain, but from a different angle. Says Revolba, that train is your journey of life. Cannot be that you daven the Shemona Esrei, you daven your prayers the same way last year as you did this year. If you do, you're not in touch with what is happening in your life. On a personal level, this year was the year of Tachanun. Tachanun has a lot of references to plagues, and I never noticed it before. Never, I never cared about talking about plagues. Plague sounded so like medieval. Oh my gosh, okay. I just saw, I just saw, you know, Robbie wearing his mask here in Israel. We don't wear masks anymore. Thank God. Okay, but you know, the, the whole thing, I, 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 I was, I, I was nervous that my grandchildren are going to think that wearing masks is normal. This means that you have to pray differently. 
your life is constantly changing. So what you need to do, and this I heard from my Rebbe Revolver many, many times, before you start praying, you must, and this is not just Revolver, Revolver is bringing a source in the Shulchan Aruch, Simen Sadial, that tells us that before you start praying, stop and think about what you need to tell Hashem about. In the last 24 hours, or since the last time you prayed, things are happening. Then look at those same words, and you'll see like light going through a prism, the colors will come out differently. You'll suddenly notice things that you never noticed before, because what's on your mind, you will find in those words. Now, there's two things that have to come out of this. Number one is you have to actually look at the words. And number two is that honestly, I think every single one of us need to spend time learning what the words mean and asking themselves a very, very important question. How do these words apply to my life? I always tell this to my students. Please don't take Menachem classes and bring them into your prayers. Only do that if they work for you. Every single one of you should find the, the words that talk to you and focus on them and you can keep on changing them. So one day you'll hear a class, I don't know, from the words of Rav Pincus and say, well, that's, that, that, that's me. He's talking to me. And then you'll, you'll put it into your tefillah. And then a year later, you'll hear from somebody else. So your challenge is to make the words work for you. Make them dynamic. Hashiva shavteni kiverishona. Bring back our justice system. I'm sitting in Israel watching a great country called America. And you're asking yourself, you know, what's happening over here? I don't want to get into politics at all. But it's talking to us. Sure. We want the shavtim to come back the way it's supposed to be. And those, that single, that feel has to come back and come alive suddenly. Real life should impact the way that you see the words in your tefillah. That's what Revolva taught me. Powerful, 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 amazing. Oh, everybody should take this to heart and apply it right away to, to, to have these words apply okay. to us. And talking about us, Rabbi, you know, one of the things is that, you know, we just uh, finished Pesach. You should give it over to your children. What is the best way to give over the greatness, the amazing power of tefillah to our children? Okay, so, so now you're asking really, really important questions. Um, honestly, um, just like everything is becoming more difficult for the younger generation, I think tefillah is also becoming harder and harder for them. It's harder for them to focus. It's harder for them uh, to reconcile with so many stresses in their lives. If I could say one thing and one thing only, it would be role modeling, which means my Rebbe Revolver said to us many, many times, when's the first moment of emunah, the first moment of faith that a child learns? And the answer is, it's Friday night. Ima, my mother, is lighting candles. It's beautiful. Suddenly she takes out this little book and she starts crying with tears. And she, he, what's going on? Why is Ima, she, my, mommy's talking to someone. And it means so much. She's not sad. She's emotional, but in a beautiful way. Says Revolva, that is the first class in, in Emunah that a child gets. It's interesting. About five years ago, I was at a family wedding. And I met my cousin, Yosef Frankel. He lives in Malaya Domim. He runs a school there. And I asked him, you know, what do you teach? He says, 
me, I teach tefillah. I'm actually writing a book about that. And he's my first cousin. And he did not really, he didn't get it that I also wrote a book on tefillah. And he's writing a book on tefillah. And he's a tefillah. And I said, where does this come from? And he laughed at me. And he said, did you ever notice that your mother was praying the whole time? My mother was from Germany. My mother, she didn't cover her head. She came from Leipzig in Germany. It was, you know, that it was a different vibe back there. But when I grew up, now I started to think about it. She always was saying to Helen, she got that from her mother. And these were German women living in, and with all the modernity of Germany, the one thing they never gave up was this constant, constant attachment to the words of tefillah. And that is passed together with the mother's milk. It's passed into the genes of the child that you cry out to Hashem. So the number one thing, if you want your kids to be daveners, is that you have to be daven. They have to see you pray. Lead by example. Uh. Absolutely. You know what? You know what? Okay, start off this Shabbat. Everyone that's listening, when you say Birkat Amazon, I want you to say it word for word, thinking about each word, why you need four different brachot, and let your kids see how you took that seriously. That's a powerful, powerful lesson. Ah. Rabbi, I'm telling you, you gave me so much chizuk about tefillah. I can't wait to go run to Davin now. Uh, Rabbi, could you uh, uh, talking about your Savior, about your book, how does one gain access to the Savior? And is there any plans to present him come out with another volume on this topic? Maybe something for the men? What, what do you say, Rabbi? Hi. It's a little frustrating. Uh, my wife always teases me that everything I do takes 100 hours in one minute, which means basically it takes me one minute to do it, 100 hours till I get there. For the last 10 years, I've been trying to come out with another edition of Rikshi Lev. And um, it's actually crazy. You can go on Amazon. It sells there for over $1,000. Don't do it. Don't really? buy that. Just hold it. Yeah, it really does. That's okay? <laughs> over a thousand bucks. Just just wait out a little bit. You can get the, the Hebrew version. I don't know if you saw this. The, the Hebrew version, that you can still get. But we're redoing the Hebrew version as well. I have a son in Baipagan. He's a Rosh Kolel. About three years ago, he said to me, Abba, enough is enough. I'm taking this into my own hands. He went through all the Mare Makamot. He took many, many questions to Reb Chaim Kinevsky. He, he redid the whole thing, and he added so many different layers and levels. And it's, it's going to be basically a new book, much more improved. The English is going to be better. And uh, wait out. And um, yeah, Feldheim, go for it. Okay, they're going to be doing this for us. And uh, look out in your bookstores for Rik Shelev. And then if you see me, I'll, I'll sign something for you. And then you can resell it on eBay for a profit. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Amazing. Rabbi. Okay. Looking forward for the new save for the new book. Uh, Rabbi, to end off, can you please leave us with some inspiring closing remarks that we haven't touched upon yet? Any final message you'd like to give to our larger audience? Maybe some chizuk, some inspiration, something, anything. I do. I have a lot to say. <laughs> I'm going to say it in three minutes. I'm just going to say the bottom line, what, what's on my mind. And it, it's, I hope your audience is aware that we're going through a period of the, in, in the Jewish calendar called the week of Hod. The week of Hod means it's the, when the Sira that we are reading is all about Hod. Hod literally means, uh, Hod means splendor, or Hod means when, when God says Hod, says Moderani to our prayers. The week of heart began, if you remember, with Pesach Sheni. I don't know what your custom is. Yaniv, do you have the custom of like crunching on matzot? You eat that? 
you find those stale matzos from a month ago and you finish them off. Basil Shini is giving a person a second chance. We do a lot that day. There we go. It's giving a person a second chance. It is a crazy story. These people turn to Moshe Rabbeinu and say, we missed out. We missed out on bringing the Pesach, the Korban. A person does not bring the Korban. He gets karet. He's cut off from the Jewish people because this is the essence of Judaism. We don't want to be left out. Moshe Rabbeinu should have said to them, I'm sorry, my dear friends. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you missed the boat. It's your problem. Wait around till next year. It's not what he said. He said, let me ask Hashem. Hashem is smiling. Hashem says, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. My beautiful children, they want so badly. They want so badly to get close to me. I'm going to make a new Chag. I'm going to change the rules. I'm going to give them a new festival. And I want to say to every single person that's listening, I am a teacher. Hashem blessed me with hundreds and hundreds of wonderful, beautiful, amazing Neshamot students that I have. If you, could, if you could show a common thread of what I'm hearing, especially in the last year, so much sarat, so much frustration. There's so many girls that I, that, that I care about who are now in their 30s still looking for their zivug. Young couples who have difficulty with, with their marriages Rabbi, should I break up this marriage? What, what should I do? People that can't have children, people that are raising kids and watching them going on what my sister calls the scenic route. And then sicknesses and sicknesses. And then people start praying to Hashem and they get frustrated because we live in a world where we want instant answers. It doesn't work that way, but it works. You have to tell Hashem, this is so important for me. You have to go with him. Lama, why should we be left out? Why should we be different? Hashem is all powerful. For him, it's easy. He can do anything. He can change the world inside out, outside in, in a flash. He can certainly help you out with your little problems. For you, they're big problems, but for Hashem, they're little problems. All he wants is that relationship with you that's real, that comes from your heart. So Pesach Shani. The month of Iyar, the week of Hod, is that time of the year where we reflect that we have infinite power if we plug into the one and only. And then Hashem will smile and say, Hod, Moderni, you're right, and give us all the blessings in the world. So what can I tell you? From Yerushalayim to Queens and to the rest of the world, anyone listening, don't stop those tears, don't stop their prayers. And Hashem should open up all the gates of mercy and all the gates of love and all the gates of goodness. And Yaniv, next time, I'm not going to be doing this through Zoom. You're going to be interviewing me in Yerushalayim, Era Kodesh, at the Beit HaMikdash, in Herb Yemeni. Thank you so much for talking to me. Nissel, thank you very much. Wow, what a chizuk, what an inspiration, what a powerful final message. We really appreciate it, Rabbi Nissel. We should see each other very soon. Once again, every Tuesday night, amazing, inspiring message. Timely Tuesday Torah Talks, Kazakh's Tuesday program. A special guest, Rabbi Nissa, once again, thank you very much, and we'll see you soon in Arizona in Yerushalayim.